shit. Where's the intro? What do you mean? Where's the intro? Oh, there it is. We are a very professional production. We're live. I was loving the tunes, man. That was pretty good. Oh, it gets better, mate. It gets better. You wait. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's take a deep breath. Let's start. And this is Shooting the Shit, Aussie Craft Distillers. My name is Craig or Crafty from Craftworks Distillery, and I'm in my shed. It's my shed. This is my shed. And tonight... We have a very, very special guest. And we're going to be talking about a distillery in a place where you go, holy fuck, how do you have a distillery there? So, without further ado, Dave from Willing Distillery, how are you, bud? I'm very well, thanks, Crafty. Yourself, mate? Mate, I'm, uh, I'm pretty awesome. I'm, um, I'm in my shed. I've got my new red beanie on, which is very Bill Murray, very... Um, Life Aquatica, um, and people say I look a bit like Bill Murray, so I'll own it. <laughs> Why not? And I reckon we've got a bit of a polar opposite going on because Crafty's freezing his nuts off. And what's it like in Darwin at the moment? Mate, you can't really see in my black T-shirt, but uh, I've got a V-neck of sweat running down here. I've just been running around out the back in my shed and uh, in the distillery. I'm in the office now, which is air-conditioned. Lovely, but in the uh, shed, it's about thirty-six degrees right now. Wow! Uh, I'm going. I'm going. Wow, because he's got an office. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a cocktail bar through the wall behind me as well. So, uh, oh, hear some funny noises. It's not me. <laughs> <laughs> right, I want to get some serious shit out of the way first. So last week, I caught a lot of flack about my new glasses. Right, a lot of flack. Right. I was a Thunderbird puppet. I was Urkel. I was. Don't you start? Don't you start? Oh, you brought it up, Mr. Biggles. <laughs> anyway, we have a new nickname for Luke. Uh, uh, right. And uh, I hope you brought one with you. No, I, I, I haven't. But I got something similar, and I and I thought I'd show everyone. So Luke is the glue who holds this whole insane thing together, right? And I called him glue, and Todd went, nah, he's Bostic. So we call him Bostic. <laughs> as of, no as of the weekend. As he of the weekend. I do not have a Bostic stick. I have a beeswax stick, which I use for barrels. Um, it's the closest thing I've got to glue. It's the closest <laughs> thing I've got to Bostic. So there it is. Oh, never mind your beeswax. Right. Never um, mind your beeswax. Does, anyway. it, does, it, does it taste better? What does? Does yeah. the beeswax taste better than glue? Than Bostic. I can't <laughs> say I've, I've tasted glue. So um, that's, would you like that's to what I did in primary school using Bostic. So it explains <laughs> a lot, I know. <laughs> anyway, let's get into it. So, okay, so we've introduced Dave uh, at the top on the right hand side on my screen, Brady Bunch style. 
is the one, the only, the Todd. And go, Todd. And go. <laughs> Throw you under the right. bus. Well, already. <laughs> this is what I've decided to drink tonight since we're talking all things gin. So yeah, it is nice. um, Ace and Flinders uh, Maritime. Mm. So I always think this is very much like, to me, it, it tastes like um, driftwood smells somewhat. Mm. It's sort of like walking along with a beach. It's really quite nice. That's curious. That was one of my little discoveries when I was at the Distillers conf Conference the other day. So, Right. That's me. I'm going to have to get a sample of that from you, I think. Hopefully we'll have some. <laughs> See how the night goes. We, we're pulling a double yeah. session tonight. So, yeah, that's, um, oh, that's, that's just for to, oh, yeah, I'm trying to pace myself. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Luke, what's in your glass, mate? I mean, Bostick, what's in your glass besides the glue? Um, I've actually got this sexy little oh, spit. Hold on. Where's my. Well, there you go. Oh, oh, sexy no. little and where's um, it made? It's made in Darwin. <laughs> of all places, of all, it's such a coincidence, really. That, oh, hold on, this is is this that's yours? It would be, it come would on, be. Come yeah. on, oh, there you go, on. yeah, yeah, sure, there you go. Yes, um, yes. yeah, so it's it's a beautiful bottle, lovely bottle, lovely, simple label, and it's a cracking gin. This is the Desert Lime, oh, and nice. I'm really yeah. enjoying it, and I can't guarantee that there will be any left for samples, guys. That's all right. Yeah. I've, got, I've, got a, I've got a few other banks and Flinders um, chins I can share with you. <laughs> so that's what that's what's in my glass. Yeah. And so look, can you disclose where it came from? Where it came from? <laughs> Who generously donated that? Well, I I reached out. I reached out to Dave. Hang on, we've lost our guest. Yeah. No, no, guest is just busy, gone to the busy room beside him and, and put in an order. <laughs> so I, I reached out. I was doing a bit of um, bit of research, research on um, NT distillers because I hadn't really heard of any, yeah. and I wanted to find out more and. and see how many there were because we know that there's a billion down in Tasmania there's a few here in New South Wales there's a few down in Victoria and and South Australia we know of a big one or a big couple uh, under the same banner in in uh, WA but I hadn't heard of anything and anyone from the NT and I reached out to uh, Dave at the time he didn't have uh, online ordering on the website so I am out saying how how do I get a bottle? And he kindly hooked me up, and um, I thought, "Fuck, that's great! <laughs> I want to know. I, I want to know more about these NT spirits even more now." So that is a good intro because that now leads into, yeah, Dave, tell us your yeah. story. Mate. Start from the sure. beginning. Well, no, first, Dave, what are you drinking tonight? I better tell you what I'm drinking first. So, oh uh, yes, yes. I'm drinking. Um, can you just close the door, please? I'm just doing a podcast. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm actually drinking this one here. Label looks very similar, 
Mm-hmm. But it's called Sweetheart's Navy Strength Gin. Now, it's named after a crocodile from up here called Sweetheart. Um, it was pretty famous probably about 30 years ago now, maybe even longer, uh, probably 40 years actually. Um, Sweetheart lived in Sweet's Lagoon and Sweetheart used to uh, bite the motors off, um, the outboard motors off tinnies. So in trying to capture Sweetheart and relocate her, um, unfortunately, or him, he died in the process. So in the true Territorian style, they stuffed him and he's now sitting in the museum here in Darwin. So he's a four and a half metre croc, big croc. Oh, he's but, bloody huge. Yeah, he's, he's big. big. So I've I thought... Got, I've got a picture. Here we what, go. What better way to uh, to name a, a, a gin that's got a bit of bite to it, because this one does sit at 58%, um, yeah. rather than name it after uh, Sweetheart. So that's Sweetheart's Navy Strength Gin. So that's uh, where the name came from. At that wow. point, there you go. That was Sweetheart before being stuffed. Wow. Yeah. That is a big It is, yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's an interesting um, toy for kids by the looks of it. Yeah, it looks like <laughs> You guys do it hard up there. Jesus. Yeah, we do, we do. So I'm just having a bit of that on ice is uh, my drink with a little wedge of lime in there. Nice. Very nice. It's a big gin. Uh, when you do put it on ice, it even goes a bit cloudy. Yep. Um, yep. Because there's a hell of a lot of flavour in there to match the 58% on it. So um, so that's my drink for tonight. Mm. Now, Luke, can I just comment on that, Dave? Yeah. Uh, because you often you often hear people talk about cloudy gins and, and clear gins. Mm-hmm. For me, and I'm no gin expert at all, I'm, I'm finding my way with gin, but to me... That's the oils. That, it is. That's, that's labour intensity that you're carrying through. So a cloudy gin is a good gin. It is. That's it. right. Absolutely, yeah. mate. No, you're dead right. A cloudy gin is. It, sh- it should be clear in the bottle. Um, if it wasn't, people would probably not want to buy it, um, wouldn't want to pick it off the shelf. But then when you do mix it um, with a bit of ice, yep. you will get cloud. And that's because you're just adding more water, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a tonic, a tonic will turn it blue, this one. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Light, a light blue, but there'll be a blue tinge to it. Um, yeah, right. But again, that's the oils, and it's a lot A lot of the oils are coming from the juniper because there's a lot of mm. juniper in the skin. So, yeah. And so what's, what's going to turn it blue? What have you got? To, so there's there's other gins that I've got on the wall behind me here with um, like a butterfly pea and all those sorts of fancy things in there. That yeah. will will change color, whether you're using a, a soda or a tonic. What's yeah. changing? What's making only it, do it? It only do, does it with tonic. So I'm not sure what yeah. it is in the tonic that will, will, will give it that tinge. Um, okay. It's got a slight tinge to it now, just just on ice, just as that water's mm-hmm. melting. Um, but certainly with a tonic, it emphasizes it, and I'm not sure why. It, it, whatever mm-hmm. it is in the tonic that does it. Um, we use always use a fever tree tonic um, here in the bar, and right. um, yeah, it does get a real sort of light blue tinge to it. It's quite nice. That's a really good question, actually. We could put out to Marcel Thompson, um, who's uh, been in the game for a long, long time, because um, I've seen that before too. This, this blue mm. tinge. I really have no understanding of why. Yeah, it only comes from tonic. I've, I've noticed it doesn't come from yeah, soda. Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times. So Marcel, if you're there. Help us out. Tell us. Hey, before we go any further, I forgot to mention what I'm drinking. So let me just butt in for a second. So you're about to. 
So you see that little little logo? Mm. No? Uh, this was a nice little present that I got. I, I ordered something from uh, Christy Lark. Um, she does uh, alchemeters uh, on uh, as, as sort of a side thing. And I bought these alchemeters and I put them in the shed. And six months later, I pull them out and have a look at them. And there's this little wee parcel from Christy Lark. And it says, Merry Christmas. And I was like... <laughs> And, and Christy Lark sitting there going, how rude. I gave him a present. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought the same thing. I was like, it's going three times thing. since then. The rude bastard. I'll never say anything. But So she sent me this little wee sample of KD63, 56%. Mm. Very nice. And that is how Australian craft distillers roll. <laughs> <laughs> Just yep. putting it out there. Yeah. Christy, thanks. I'll get the lid off. So I'm about to pour it. So, oh yeah, typical laugh fashion. Yeah, yeah. No, Chrissy is just making some amazing. Oh, good color. Mm. oh yeah. All right, keep going. Why I? Uh... <laughs> so, Dave, were you? Did you go down to the ADA conference? No, I didn't. I was planning to. Mm -hmm. And things ran away from me a bit. I did go down for the Melbourne Gin Festival um, about three mm -hmm. weeks ago. Yep. Yeah. Four weeks ago, maybe. Um, so I got down there for that, but I wasn't able to go back down for the uh, for the distillers conference, unfortunately. It wasn't that good. It was only these two that were there. So um, <laughs> I, I, three, I didn't make it. So. And 398 other people. It was, <laughs> it was, it was huge, Dave. It, it, when, when I started... There was 60-odd distillers, and there's now 400-odd distillers. It was 400 delegates. Uh, it was a really That's robust awesome. conference, great networking, great speakers. And yeah, and, and it was a big reunion for a lot of people, but it was also a lot of new people. Uh, and it was just fantastic to see the camaraderie yeah, in the industry. It really, really was. So actually, on the um, Throw Todd Under the Bus segment, um, I'll give you some warning. Todd's going to give us a bit of a rundown of what happened at the conference. He can breathe now, and <laughs> he's got a lead question. You can sit on it for now. All right, Dave. So, yeah, yeah. going back to the start, mate, um, we always like to hear what inspired a, a distiller to get going. Um, yeah. Relatable. And those early steps we'll talk about the later steps but those early steps how, how did you get into the game yeah so i was um a bit of a hobby distiller um <laughs> sort of throwing around ideas around whiskey and uh i was down in tasmania on a work trip so i was working for the government at the time northern territory government and i was at a conference down in tassie so i ended up in um funny you should mention lark i ended up in their bar down at salamanca at the yep. wharf there mm -hmm. and uh, booked in for a tour the following afternoon because I had an afternoon free. So I went and did a tour there. So this is back in about 2015, 16. Mm -hmm. um, did the tour. Time. Yeah, yeah, it was a good time. So um, did the tour, loved it and thought, you know what, I'm, I'm actually really interested in, in pursuing this further and um, going to the next level. So spoke to my wife about it and she said, well, why don't you go and do the course? Because I found the Tasmanian Whiskey Academy and Anne Gigney's um, gig down there. So I signed up for that and uh, did the course back in 20, 
18. I'm just yeah. looking at this, my IBD on the wall, 2018. Um, and then uh, I went and got certified through IBD after that as a general certificate in distilling for whiskey. Yeah. And then through that process, learned, you know what? It's really fucking hard to make whiskey in tropical countries, in tropical climates. <laughs> yeah, we're going to ask about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah. Um, but then I thought, uh, okay, so I came back home and wrote a business plan. I was at the time um, working in the chief minister's department up here, and then I moved across to police, fire, and emergency services, and I was running fire, rescue, and emergency services at the time. Hmm. And uh, my wife and I had this business plan sitting on the shelf, and my wife said, um, like, this is crazy. You're not actually thinking of doing this, are you? And I, said, and I sort of said, well, you've got a good job in government too. Um if I'm going to do this, and I was just turning 50 at the time, I said, I need some energy to make this work. So uh, I want to give it a crack. And thankfully, I've got an awesome wife who said, go for it. Hmm. So um, I did a massive sideways move out of executive government world and um, resigned in uh, or left in July 2020 and went full-time into establishing the distillery at that point. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Launched, launched the first gin then in uh, April 2021. So it took a um, good 10 months to uh, get up and, and off the ground, as everyone who's done it knows. Uh, governments don't work quickly, other than the federal government who want their excise tax, but everyone else sort of moves a little slower and um, takes a while to get your approvals through. But uh, once I got there... Then it was um, plus. It takes a while to get a still as well. Um, mm. When you want to order a, a six hundred liter still, they don't sort of. Hey, they don't come cheap. But they also don't. It's not one sitting on the shelf somewhere for you. So um, someone's got to build that for you. So and where did you get, get your still from? from? Uh, Mark, Mark Burns in Griffith. Mark Burns in Griffith made my still. Oh, nice! Wow, I didn't know that. Wow! wow. There That's you go. Nice. Beautiful picture. <laughs> uh, yeah, I bet you it doesn't look like that now. Um, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I've never been out of back looking like that. No, no. I, I had been one of our, our um, sponsors. Yes, they he are. is. He's one of our sponsors, exactly. Burns Whiting Fabrication, which we'll talk about our sponsors later on. Um, it, it's interesting. I had Burnsy in my shed because I got a Burnsy still as well, right? Uh, yeah. I had him in my shed. Doesn't uh, look like that uh, one. Uh, sorry? No. Doesn't look like that one. No, 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 exactly. Well, Burnsy was in the shed uh, about a month ago and he went up to a still and had a look at it and went, you could clean it. No, it's a workhorse. I wouldn't take much. You know, if you do this, you do that, the bar, bing, bing. You know, and I was like, no, it's a workhorse. Because <laughs> I know he prides himself when he when he releases those stills. Right? It may take six months to build the thing, but it takes like five days to polish the fucker as well. Oh, oh, yeah, and, beautiful, and this man. is that's very beautiful. shiny. Yeah, yeah that's beautiful. That's I hadn't, I hadn't turned it on at that point. <laughs> oh, it doesn't look like that now, obviously. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I'm glad to see you got the glass manway. It's uh, nice. it makes a hell of a difference, doesn't it? Having the glass is manway, it? heaps better. I, I don't know why. I mean, I do know why people get the the cast ones with their name on it. Yeah, but um, I like the glass one heaps better. Yeah, you can see what's going on in there. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You connect with what's happening in the still. You can see yep. the rolling boil. And if something's yep. fucking up, you can see it straight away. 
Exactly. Yeah. Was, it, was it Chieftain Sun or Banks and Flinders that had it um, engraved on their glass one? Yeah, Holly, Holly, Holly had one Bass and Flinders, and and uh, yeah, she wasn't happy with the engraving, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't a Burnsy still. It was it was uh, imported still, and it's a lovely oh, yeah. still. Uh, but then she shows you the engraving. She goes, "Look at that! It's a piece of shit. The still's good, but the engraving shit." So, <laughs> Hey, um, you're on a. It's it's fascinating because your story is very very similar to my story. 2015s when it all started for me. I did the first Angigny uh, Tassie Whiskey Academy course. Um, yep. I went out afterwards and was totally hooked on IBD and did the certificate in distilling. And it was one of the best things that I did to to um, give me some yeah. structure. Um, just on how to approach it and you've done exactly the same mate so yeah that's yeah that's no really it was a great course um really really good course really good speakers really good instructors on that course um and then if you're willing to put in the sort of four to six months of study afterwards to yep. get that ibd certificate under your belt it's well worthwhile because you learn so much from it and it because you've got to get such a high pass mark in that thing you yeah. remember it too because you got to study it for a good four or five months to, to really sink get it to sink in before you do it. So, yeah, yeah. stressing out about yeah. that at the moment, to be honest. Oh, yeah, you're in the middle of it. Oh, good on you. Uh, Test sometime between the third third to the eleventh of May. Of um, May. Yeah, so, it's good. It's yeah. it's worth doing. Definitely. Yeah, the good the good I thing about I couldn't have done it without it. I couldn't have done this without it. There's no way because there's, there was no one up here to bounce ideas off. I didn't have a mentor up the road that I could go and talk to. So one of the massive challenges here is um, is just people to talk to about distilling, people that have been there and done it and, and know it. You, you, you sort of learn a lot along the way um, as much as you can off other people, but it's hard when they're not sitting next to you. Mm. So you need challenges there, haven't you? In, in, yeah, in definitely. Right. Distance is hard. Like um, when I was setting up, um, there was two people I was bouncing a lot off. Um, the people on my course, I had um, Daniel Lemura from Noble Bootleggers in Bendigo. Right. Um, yep, Daniel was um, – I, I saw a photo of you with Daniel the other day, actually. He was at the Distillers Conference, I reckon, Crafty. Yeah, it was. Um, Daniel and uh, the other one was Danielle Jane from Southwest Spirits in WA. Um, and Sarah Gunn as well. She's on my course as well. Who's got Sarah, some, yeah. yeah, she's down in Tassie there. So those those people those people have been really helpful. So when I was really stuck, I'd ring Daniel or I'd ring Danny, and um, they just they'd, they'd done it. They'd already set up. They were already established and running. So they were able to wade through some of the shit for me and just give me the answer straight off. So very very helpful to have those type of people who are already in the industry to, to help you along your way. Mm. And so is there, is there much of an industry in the Northern Territory? No, How many distillers have you got up there? Uh, there's three that I know of. I think the Australian distilling companies in the process of building a distillery here so that they can make daft, uh, daft. <laughs> Darwin Craft. Not Darwin. <laughs> yeah, Darwin Craft Gin, so they can sort of make it, give it some respectability because at the moment they've oh. been selling it for years and making it in Adelaide and calling it Darwin mm. Craft Gin. So 
um, they are they are putting a distillery in here. There's um, Darwin Distilling Company, which operates out of a restaurant called Charlie's in the in the CBD here. They've sort of got a still in the middle of their restaurant, um, which is actually a, a fairly nice um, still dragon still, one of the big still dragon stills, gin still. But yeah. um, there's not much room around it to do much, so I don't think they're putting out a lot of quantity. Um, and they're doing a um, one of those compound gins, so it's it's a bit oh. like what Archie Rose did. So it's all uh, mix and matching flavors as opposed yeah. to the one shot distillation method. So mm -hmm. um, easy to do when you're using a, a column still like like they've got. I'm using a pot still as you saw on the photo. So mm -hmm. it's um, very traditional methods for me. It's all one shot distillation method. Um, really trying to bring it back to grassroots of how gin was made a couple of hundred years ago. Um, so so how, how do you get your botanicals into your, into your pot still? Yeah, yeah, they're just throwing all in there. Um, so steeping yeah. in the actual... Yeah, steep in there for one or two days beforehand at least. Um, depends mm -hmm. on what it is I'm making. And um, I don't have a gin basket. Yep. Um, but if I am using soft botanicals that I'm, I'm worried will cook, overcook, then um, I've got a stainless steel colander that will hang off the CIP. <laughs> and uh, I'll just throw them in there. And it works great. So the desert lime gin, good example. There's um, yeah. lime leaves, lime peel, desert limes. They're all soft botanicals. They all go in a big stainless steel colander and I just suspend them off the bottom of the CIP in the, in the still there. And it works a treat. So... Back 200 years ago, I reckon that's how they were doing it when they were making mm. gin. Um, so I've taken it right back to basics. No bubble plates, no windows, no column. It's just, um, yeah, gin as it used to be made. Mm. And a copper pot and, still. And look, at it, it comes out in the flavour. It's, uh, it's very, very nice. Yeah, thank you. Very nice. I actually think the flavours come through well. Um, I think they blend well out of a pot mm. still. I yep. find that um, column stills tend to separate flavours a bit. Mm -hmm. and certainly the blended um, gins or the compound gins don't tend to, the flavours don't bond well together, um, I find, because they're, they're mixed after the fact. Mm. Uh, and I just find they break up. It can be a little little stiffer, a little harsher, I think. Mm. So you're a gin distiller, but you're also a whiskey distiller. Yep. And the the two are diametrically opposed they really are right as you yeah. all know so tell us about particularly your, your whiskey story how did you get into that and i really want to understand the challenges you've got because i was thinking about it you don't have an angel share you have an angel's it has to be pretty greedy, I see. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's right. They take everything else. That'd yeah, be right. Angel's alimony, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, facing, you're facing what was faced in, in Taiwan. And I'm thinking about Carverland in, in particular, right? When they were up in the 20, 25% um, angel share per annum, right? Yeah. And they couldn't do old whiskies because there ain't anything left in the barrel. So they've now, from what I understand, they're, they're actually, they're, they're underground. They're, they're, they're putting casks underground now to try and slow down the, um, 
the angel share. So yeah, tell us, tell us, Dave, tell us about your challenges. How are you? Yeah, so I'm currently in a 200 square meter shed. Wow, twice the size um, of ours. Yeah, I've got sort an of an office. Some of it is, um, yeah, that includes my little office here, but it also includes a cocktail bar on the front, which is um, about 35 square meters out of that. Um, So usable distillery space, I'm probably at about 100 square meters, but um, the shed I'm in has another tenant behind me with another 200 square meters. Right. So I'm going to pick that up as well. Um, He's in the process of moving out. When he does, I'll be extending back into that other 200 square meters um, and I'll use that for storage. So the plan is um, probably initially I'll use shipping containers uh, to put barrels in and I'll climate control them. Yeah, I was right. going to say you have to. Yeah, I do. I will have to. So the fermentation's fine. I've got, um, I've, got a, I've got a chiller on my fermenter, so everything's jacketed. So we can do the fermentation. That, that's fine. Um, but, yeah, once it goes in the barrel... There are some big challenges. I've been playing around with gin and some barrel-rested gin. Yep. um, Using um, just a little 20-liter. And, yeah, the angel share just in six weeks was noticeable. So, um, yeah, and that was sitting in the shed. So at the moment, the humidity is really high here. um, And the shed, obviously, no climate control out the back at the moment. It sits at around 36 degrees most of the time. Um, in the dry season, and we're coming into the dry season now, the humidity will drop off and the temperature will also drop down. So it will improve, but it still rarely gets below sort of 28 degrees. So that's where it dropped down to, not much. Not much, no. 28 <laughs> yeah. in the shed. Um, over night time, it might drop down to sort of 23, 24 in the shed. Mm-hmm. That's about as low as it will get. Yeah. But so, then you've but, also got... Um, uh, through the rain system, you, you would have uh, significant high pressure systems coming through as well, and Good all question. of that would, I'm sure, affect the barrel yeah. as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not when you think about it. Barrel aging in the tropics is not a new thing. Um, there's been a whole lot of rum mm. aged in barrels in the tropics for a long time, and um, and they get away with it. I mean. Um, Kaylin in the in the hoochery yep. is uh, down at Karananara. Now she's a fair way south from Darwin, um, as the crow flies, but she's still well and truly in the tropics. So she she suffers the same same sort of issues. Mm. Rum though is more forgiving than whiskey. Um, yeah, right. Whiskey will, will the flavours. Whiskey is a little more delicate than a rum. Mm. I think because of the sugar high sugar in, in the rum and the sweetness. Mm-hmm. In the rum. Um, and I think that's probably why everyone gravitates towards that um, in the tropics. Mm-hmm. Plus the availability of, of your, your raw materials. Your sugar cane yeah. is grown in the tropics, whereas your grain is grown in colder climates. So it makes yeah. sense that you're, growing, you're making grain, uh, grain alcohol in the southern states and, and sugar alcohol up north. Mm. I heard a good thing um, from Westland uh, Distillery. Um, so Westland... Uh, they're in Bali country and and people were saying when are you going to release the bourbon and they go why would we do that our local raw material is is, is barley why would barley. we go and, and go get corn it makes no sense yeah yeah so yeah, you use what's local yeah yeah exactly mm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And look, the Hoochery's done that. Um, I think when Spike was alive way back when, he was finding it hard to get sugarcane even. So he planted some and he was um, growing his own sugarcane because they've got the Ord River system up there in, in Kununurra. So they had plenty of water. Uh, and he planted his own cane and uh, had a cane field up there. So, um, And so how do you find it getting the barley? What's the, what's the local... Thankfully, yeah, thankfully, I've got a couple of local breweries here. So right. um, there are two breweries here. One is uh, One Mile, and mm -hmm. they've been operating now for over, about a decade, I think. And the other one is Beaver Brewery, and he's been running for three or four years. Mm -hmm. um, so both of those guys are already accessing um, malt, malted barley mm -hmm. uh, and have got all those connections um, and the shipping lines are already there. So right. I'll piggyback straight off the back of those guys. So that's yeah. not a major issue. Um, one of the big challenges of having a distillery up in the top end is freight. Everything mm. gets freighted up from down south. So yeah. I use yeah. my bottles are from Soberglass. They come from bloody UAE or France or wherever they come from, mm. wherever yeah. they're being made at the time. Um, they end up in Adelaide or, or or Melbourne, and then they ship them back up here to me. So there's this, this massive shipping cost associated with everything I do, whether it's labels, bottles, stoppers, um, yeah, hmm. barley, everything. A still right. from Britain. <laughs> and what about your your markets, Dave? So so, what are you? Where are you targeting? Is, is it is it very much a local centric thing? Bars, it has, yeah. yeah, it has been for the last twelve months. So very much a local one, um, yeah. because we were the only sort of full-time distillery operating over the last twelve months. Um, we were able to get ourselves in behind most of the the bars and restaurants in town. Right. Um, so that's been great. The local market has been fantastic. So um, shortly after I opened this, the distillery and the cellar door, we opened the cellar door straight away. Yeah. Um, I also opened a cocktail bar a couple of months later at the front of the shed. So um, um, tonight we've had probably around 80 people through here. Oh, wow. Um, uh, which is which is a normal Friday, this being a Thursday, but being Easter Friday tomorrow, every, mm -hmm. everyone's shut, so everyone's treating this as their Friday. So um, that's been fantastic because the cash flow that that's generated has allowed me to push a whole lot of money back into this into the distillery. Mm -hmm. and make sure that um, that we've we've got the cash flow there to support it. So mm. very very helpful to to have that one, and the locals have supported it really well. So the tourist season, obviously, from pretty much from this weekend this weekend, which is um, Easter, through till about the first of October, that's our dry season, um, which is also our peak tourism season. So yeah. our numbers will double. Our numbers through the door will double. Uh, we're the only show in town. It's not like the Brossa where, where you go and you're choosing from sort of 50 wineries or yeah, Tassie yeah. choosing from 50 distilleries. Yeah. We're the only game in town um, unless you you want to go up to Charlie's and um, and have a cocktail in that cocktail bar and, and have a look at that still. So yeah. this is a, a, a unique experience here and um, the tourists love it. Yeah. Mm. So locals love bringing their families in who are visiting too, because there's not many people from Darwin who live in Darwin. There's a lot of people who have come to Darwin from somewhere else, and their families all come up and visit. 
because they're here for a couple of years on a contract or something like that. Yeah, right. Um, right. So when they come and visit, they bring them here. Hmm. So you've got a – I'm just thinking out loud here. You're actually – you've got a moment of time where you're controlling this real unique position where you don't have any, any competitors, right? So Yeah, it's, I do, but they're, diff, they're in different lanes. As, as in you know, like, like 20 distilleries in the same no. cities. But you don't, you right. don't have that scenario. So what, what's, your, what's your mindset? What's your, your approach to really entrenching that, that position in? So, so you are the, the distillery in, in Darwin. So then when others come in, you're ahead of the game. What, what's your thinking? What's yeah. your approach to that? Getting behind bars in town, number yeah. one, yeah. and staying there. So yeah. that's, that's really important for us. Relationship. Um, yep. Keeping up with the marketing. Yep. Um, marketing is everything. If if you're not marketing on social media, you're not getting your product out there. It's as simple yep. as that. You, you've got to spend the money and the time on doing some good marketing. You've got to spend some money on on doing. Um, if you're not taking good photos yourself, and someone says to you these photos are shit, is you're taking them? Get someone professional into doing. Um, and the same for your videos. If you if you're just doing the odd sort of live stream on Facebook and it's shit. Get someone in that knows what they're doing to help. That's you. our whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's our brand. Come. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. Now, this is this is good. Marks and marketing dollars, but those marketing dollars will put your brand out there, and it's, mm. it's so important to get the marketing right, no matter what your brand is, um, mm. and how you're marketing it too. If you know those two things, you know what your brand is, you know what you're doing, and you know who you want to market to, get some professional in to help you to make sure that works and you're spending the right money in the right place. So um, we're doing some of that next week. We're doing some filming next week um, here, and we're really going to start to ramp that marketing up. I've done the Gin Festival in Melbourne three weeks ago. I'm going to Brisbane next month in about four weeks for that festival, and I'm doing Adelaide in June. I'm only doing those three this year. Yep. But at the same time, I'm looking for distribution in, in those three cities. Yep. So if I can nail down a distributor in those three cities, again, it's going to cost me some upfront costs because I'm going to have to freight a whole lot of stock down um, into those cities, and that's going to yep. cost me. But it's all about getting the brand out there, getting known. Um, we're made in Darwin. It's on the label. People are going to be interested in that. Um, and, yeah, yeah. and from what... From what we've seen so far, um, the interest in that so far in uh, in Melbourne was fantastic. Um, we didn't think we'd sell 100 bottles at the Gin Festival in Melbourne, but we did. And we didn't have a flashy stand with flashy banners because we had to fly everything down there, so it was pretty minimalistic. But um, people really enjoyed the drinks. Is there a little, yes, they're gin, and yes, there's a shitload of gin out there, mm. but they're a little bit unique. One, because we're from Darwin. And two, because we're using some flavors, other distilleries are using them as well, but we're really pushing those flavors as being those local indigenous flavors like Kakadu mm. Plant, and Desert Lion, Quandong, um, and you mixing those with traditional, with traditional botanicals as well. I think a lot of distillers might've gone a bit too far one way and, and gone, oh yeah, we're making our gin from Australian botanicals. Yeah, well, is it gin anymore? Because there's not too many um, places you can buy Australian juniper, mm. um, and you need a hell of a lot of it. So even if you grow on your own, 
probably don't have enough to support um, uh, any volume. So we all know the best junipers come come still comes in from Europe, um, places mm -hmm. like Macedonia. Yeah, exactly. So rather than, yeah, rather than just say, all right, I'm going to use Australian botanicals, which is great. You're making yeah. something quite unique and quite new. We're trying to use those traditional botanicals and we'll use five, six, seven traditional botanicals, but then we'll throw in an Australian one like some Kwandong and Kaku Plum or the Desert Lime. Mm. Um, and and trying, do you... trying to keep traditional but with an Aussie edge on it. And people are really yeah. enjoying the drink, so yeah. And I think, just, hang on, uh, Luke, can I, can I just say something quickly? I, I personally think the um, the the uh, C-U-N-T just works, you know? C-U-N-T, yeah. Just get yeah. it on a bottle, mate. It'll, it'll sell. It'll sell. <laughs> it does, man, it does, yeah. Since, um, since looking at NT distilleries, all over my Facebook and web searches, I'm just seeing see you in NT. Yeah. <laughs> see you in the NT, man. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you? I, I was talking to someone about it the other day. Can you imagine that all these these high flyer marketing people were sitting in a boardroom, right, with all these government officials, and go, see you in T. Everyone in the room went. He's not fucking kidding. He's not real. Is he? It's got a nice ring to it. Yeah. It's got a nice ring to it. Yeah. If you go to the website, it's um it's unofficial com unofficial because the government hates that uh, whole see you in the NT slogan thing, but it's gone viral. So there's nothing like it. That stuck there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, up there, it's up there with the lamb ads, that one. It really is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I want to circle back to your to your whiskey. Yes, because well, we love whiskey, and <laughs> because you do I. have so many challenges with it. Um, what? How far through the whiskey journey are you? Um, I'm I'm still at the start. To be fair, um, very nice. I I'm. I've got the equipment here now, mm -hmm. um, and I only just got my fermenter the other day. So uh, I'm hoping that I'll be laying some down in the next couple of months. Right. And that'll be um, in your climate-controlled shipping containers? <laughs> it might be in my office. I might have to vacate this space right. and it'll end up in here. <laughs> <laughs> the <aircon> I got. <laughs> So, so to, yeah. to have that much climate control for that long, yeah, that's going to be a cost exercise as well. It is. How? Uh, I mean, al already there is the argument that Australian whiskey is is expensive, uh, yes. or it's too expensive compared to a to a Scotch or a, or a bourbon or whatever. Now, obviously, that's a there's a lot of factors influencing the price of an Australian whiskey. Uh, volume for one. How how do you foresee that going for you? Given that you've got a greater uh, possibility of lower volumes, whilst yeah. having to spend so much money and effort in not yeah. losing yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Exactly. So some of it'll be a bit of suck it and see. So yeah. I'm planning on doing both. I'm planning on laying some down in the back shed. Mm -hmm. And seeing how it goes, I'm only yep. going to use big barrels. Not, mm -hmm. I can't use tens, twenties, fifties. It's just going to be gone. 
Yeah. So um, Hogsheads will be the way I'll go. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, had a good chat with Andrew Young. Down yeah, at he commented earlier on. He mentioned you. Here he goes. Yeah. Yep. So, um, oh, yeah, there we go. Makes a good yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um, uh, yeah, so I had a good chat with Youngie about it, and we'll see how we go. Um, we'll throw some outside, and we'll throw some in in the climate control, and then over the course of sort of six to twelve months, um, we'll look at it. Yeah, yeah right. putting it on the ground is kind of hard. It's um, where I'm located here; it's bedrock, thirty centimeters down. So uh, yeah. I'm not digging any big holes in Hurry. <laughs> I only know that because I put. I put a pool in about three years ago and it cost me a fortune. <laughs> you can always take the pool out and make it into a cave. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you just, yeah. Just put a cap I really it. like the pool though. Especially up there, I can imagine. Nick Nick Hope had a comment too about a, a potentially using uh, earthen, yeah, exactly, earthen floor. So Dunwich yeah. style uh, to, to control things. Have you yeah. considered doing anything like that? I can't. I'm I'm on concrete. The whole uh, the whole shed's concrete, and it's surrounded by bitumen. So um, yeah, yeah, not much opportunity for that either. Um, no. But so it's, uh, a, it's a great location, a tin shed surrounded by bitumen on a <laughs> one great big heat sink. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um, location, location, location. Pick <laughs> my spot perfectly. It's going to work. That's it. The issue with um, with with earthen floors as well up here they're still hot so yeah like my swimming pool at the moment is sitting at 32 degrees celsius um because <laughs> the ground around it's still at that yeah so everything everything just heats up so much and it all just gets to that temperature so mm. it's difficult to get around it other than uh than the climate controller yeah so let's let's come back to your your whiskey making. So I always ask this question. It's pretty. Can just just get um, William Rawls question in first. Craft yeah, um, that, that's a really good question. So that's a very good question. The best, yeah, the best I did with the gin, um, the gins went slightly up. So that was only in a twenty. Yeah. Um, and we barrel aged it for about six weeks, and the ABV did go up. Very slightly, but it did go up. Right. Okay. So okay. yeah, I found that I found that pretty interesting as well. But yeah. it's I haven't done enough testing to to know if that's going to work work when we uh, use the larger barrels for whiskey. So it'd be mm. great if it's it always, does. It. It's always the oh, challenge. Yeah. It's smaller smaller distilleries, and we're the same. Yeah, you know, the, the experimental side of it, you you really don't know. It's um, mm. it, you sort of you do things as you go along and, and you learn something, but then you've got to validate it another way down the track because otherwise it's like something happened. Maybe it was because of that or I don't, I don't know. Yeah. yeah that's um, so my question is, um, so w- when I started, I, I was very much a focused in the, the Scottish way of making whiskey. And uh, then I learned how to make whiskey in Australia. I went to Tassie, did the whole thing. Uh, did courses, etc., etc. Very, very Scotch-centric style way of making whiskey. But over the years, uh, I've become more and more influenced by the 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 ways of making whiskey in America. I'm not talking about bourbon. I'm, I'm talking about single malts and, and that. So, 
where's where, where are you in the and it's not black and white you know it's a blend of, of, of different techniques and, and and other techniques winemaking techniques and, and brewers techniques and that where are you in the grand scheme of things with your thinking uh with whiskey and how you want to make whiskey yeah um my my i love pd whiskies my favorite whiskey is lafroy yeah <laughs> the marmite the marmite of the whiskey world yeah yeah exactly <laughs> So um, I love the Isle of Malts. So that's what I that's what I would love to, to make. Now, yeah. the challenge is how do I do that here? Mm. And I probably shouldn't be trying to make that here because I don't think it's going to work. Right. Um, I think it's more so. I've, I've, there's going to be a lot of trial and error. I think we're going to make a lot of whiskies um, initially that. Some are going to be shit, I think. Yeah. But we're going to learn from each one that we do. Yeah. Um, and then we'll we'll just keep going with whatever works in the end. And there's going to be a yeah. lot of, of trial and error because there's just no one else doing whiskey in the top end of Australia at the moment. Mm-hmm. There's some people people trying some things sort of around the tropics, um, around the Tropic of Capricorn, but. Mm-hmm. Life, but not this far north so yeah it's gonna so be you're a challenge. A um yeah i guess so i guess so in some ways but um we'll start off with some tried and tested methods yeah um, things that have worked i'm i'm looking to the rum industry a lot to try and mm-hmm. get some ideas from them on how what works for them and what doesn't yeah um and yeah Hopefully we can roll those two together. So I'm actually looking more at the rum industry than the whiskey industry around mm. how we look after it once it's in right. a barrel. So does that mean you're going to um, still focus on whiskey or will you dabble in rum as well? I want to do whiskey first. That yep. was always my goal. My goal going into this was to make whiskey in the tropics. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, everyone said no. No one does that. It's You're a fucking mental case. Yeah, if you think about it a different way, um, you you look at what happened in Taiwan, right? And I I remember I remember clearly going to a whiskey show in Australia, and there was this new distillery that that had just released, and they were a soft drink factory in Taiwan, called, and they released Carvalan whiskey right and Kovalan whiskey is it's up there in 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 the higher echelons of of great whiskey on the world stage they 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 were uh influenced massively by don't quote me on this it could be wrong on my facts i've been known to be wrong asked uh dr swan and the whole concept of of conviction i am i'm trying i'm trying desperately here uh of the importance of barrels and how they manage barrels and everything else. Um, but anyway, they, um, they they made world-class whiskies in a really challenging environment. So from a from a um, longitude, latitude, and position and everything else, I, I think there'd be a lot of similarities to, to what you're doing to what the Taiwanese did. So it would be an interesting yeah. reference. Mm. Maybe I'll have to go over there for a visit. Yeah, now, yeah. That, now the COVID's gone. yeah. yeah, yeah. Gone. The, the Japanese have done some interesting things too around climate control. Um, yeah, 
they're very scientific about the way they go about making their whiskies. Some and some distilleries are really sort of have really strict controls around um, where they're storing their whiskey. So, and some of it is, is around climate control as well. So, mm. yeah, I think it's uh, like I said, um, like like you mentioned before, Luke, the the costs, or it might have been you, Todd, that the costs can blow out really, mm. really easily around this stuff if if. I spend too much money up front on trying to keep it safe, then yeah. it might it might it may become untenable to, mm. uh, to make anything off it. So, what's the point? Yeah, um, I guess that's so that's going to be something you won't know until you try. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. when I've got experienced people around, like Youngie's, Youngie's good because he's making barrels for everybody. He's not just making whiskey barrels; he's making rum barrels too. So mm. yeah. um, he's sending barrels over to Fiji. So he's a really good contact who's getting feedback from those industries, um, and he can help me as well and and give me little little pointers on on how we should maybe do it up here. So mm. yeah. Um, you touch, I've, you I've got to go over to Kananara now that WA's opened up as well and, and catch up with Kaylin and have a chat with her about what she's doing as well. So, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'd, be, that'd be cool. You touched on something which I think is very, very important. Uh, and Youngie and I talked about it. Um, it's so important to have relationships with Coopers. It is, uh, yeah. Because it, it is it is a very much a, it, it's a two-way street. Uh, they want feedback on their casks and you want to give them feedback on their casks uh, and you do a lot of learning together. Um, yep. And, and we're, we're doing it. So you mentioned Youngie. Uh, you know, we, Youngie's a, a mentor of mine uh, right from the start. You know, we, we've had lots and lots of conversations about what we're trying to do from a whiskey perspective and from a, a cask uh, perspective. And... Um, yeah, it's it's so important um, because if you don't have those relate, it's like it's like any suppliers. If you don't have good relations, um, it's you're not getting the best out, out out of it for sure. Yeah, that's right. You're dead right, mate. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah and it's and for me, it's on the on the gin side. It's the same. I've got to have good relations with my suppliers for the botanicals to make sure yeah. that you know where they're coming from. That um, and talking to them about, all right, where did you get the shipment from? Um, oh, the last batch of desert lime I made, the Star Anise, was a lot stronger. Why? Is that? Did you get it from a different supplier? Is it fresher? Um, so you're, yeah, you constantly got to be having those conversations with your suppliers. Yeah, they're they're part of your process. They're part of what makes your product. So knowing knowing the provenance of your barrels is really important. What was in it before? Yeah. Um, and if you don't know that because you don't have a relationship with your cooper, then it's kind of hard at the back end to go, well, why did that work in that barrel? Well, I don't know, because I don't know what was in it beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to know. You've got to understand what was there first. Um, so, A, you can replicate it, or B, you can fuck it off and do something different next time. Yeah. Yeah, it's like winemakers. You know, if you're, if you're pulling wine casks out of, out of uh, uh, wineries, you really got to have a good relationship with the winery to know how they're handling their barrels. You know, if they're sulfuring your barrels and you don't know it, and then you go yeah. and make your spirit and put it into a whiskey cask, it's fucked. It's basically yeah. fucked. And yeah. some interesting flavors develop there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and aromas. 
I want to take it a different direction. Um, so down down at the ADA conference, it was really good. Uh, and there's a lot of conversation around the state associations, right? So the Tasmanians have got organised in spirits. The uh, South Australians have got organised. They have their own association. Uh, Victoria have their own association. So they work with local local state government and access access funding, right? Uh, South Australia yeah. particularly is pulling some big money out of the South Australian government right now uh, on the basis of tourism promotion and getting uh, yeah, there's new business opportunities out there. They're doing a fantastic job. Anyway, the New South Wellians, we got our ass kicked at the conference, right? Because we have been... We have what? As Not, we should. As, as we should. Rightly, rightly so. Rightly so. So we've tried to sort of organise things and, and you know, COVID-2 hit and you know, it just didn't get off the ground. So anyway, we've got to get our shit we're going to get our shit together and we are going to get our shit together. And, you know, there'll be an association in, in New South Wales, which will be part of uh, um, ACT New South Wales because of you know, so few distilleries in, in ACT. Um, you would have huge opportunities up there from accessing the tourism sector and, and, and working with uh, NT government. But it's really hard because there's so few of you up there. That's right. So, so yeah, the, our, our link. You're right. Our link is into into the tourism sector. So there is um, financial support and grant funding available from the tourism sector. There's also a little bit on the hospitality side and small business yeah. side, but not yeah. it's not heaps. Um, but definitely the tourism side is where I've been looking, um, and. In so much as a couple of weeks ago, we were on um, the Today Show. Mm. Yep. So um, the weather guy was here in Darwin for a week, and uh, Tourism NT put Channel 9 in touch with us. So that was fantastic for us because it was the same week that I launched, launched online sales. So you mentioned that before, Luke. <laughs> oh, we didn't have online sales. Oh, yeah. That very weekend, I launched online sales at the same time that we did that. <laughs> Which was fantastic because I've sold like sixteen hundred dollars worth of gin the following day. Wow. <laughs> well done. So those those types of and again uh, that comes down to relationships. So um, yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's really you've got to be able to do that. You've got government connections as well. So why 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 don't uh, Queensland have an association? Right, it's fairly embryonic, I think. Why don't NT and and, and Queensland Sort of, I'm just putting it out there. So there's sort of yeah. a, a similarity there, and, and, and there's a lot of common ground, and um, it, it, it could work. There's, you, you, you could probably do one across the top end now because we've got um, the Hoochery in Kununurra, uh, Moon Tide over in Broome. You've got Mount Uncle is probably the furthest north now, um, north of Cairns. Yep. Mount Uncle Distillery up there. Yep. Um, there's another one in Cairns now. There's one in Townsville called Wolf Lane. There's a few distilleries up in the top end now in, in Australia. Um, most of them are doing gin. But I think it just comes down to the numbers, mate. We just don't have – there's not a lot of them. Um, if, if you get to sort of 30, then you've got a group that can sort of do something. Yeah. 
Um, under that, you're probably just going to be sort of sideswiped by government. And you're going to be pushing shit uphill to really get anything out of them, make an mm. impact. What you've what you got to do is you've got to work the um, the angles of, well, look what New South Wales is doing. Look, look, what, look what Tassie's doing. That's look right. What, yeah, uh, NT, come on! What's going on? You were falling behind, yeah. and yeah, yeah. make them feel, make them feel like we've got to pick the pick the game up. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, because yeah. we do. We've been, we've been uh, spitballing a bit of an idea of uh, a state of origin. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah! Go, go, tell them, tell them, tell them. State of origin uh, competition or. Fight club. challenge tasting fight club between the states obviously tassie have a big representation they've got a large team um i'm sure we could uh we could get a few top enders in there to face off against the the southerners and uh come up with the goods definitely definitely yeah i'd be in that for sure no, it, well, i mean straight away all those tassie distilleries like putting pepperberry in everything come on <laughs> it's it's a so the, so the concept is sort of state of origin fight club highlander there can only be one oh, yeah. there can only be one i like it the, the biggest condition is we have to taste them all so... <laughs> do i get to wear a kilt yeah. you can wear whatever you like yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right let's um let's do it it's that time yeah. he he's had a leading question he's prepared he's organized and he's about to be thrown under a bus and now it's time for throw the tot under, under the bus, bus. <laughs> all right dave hang on <laughs> So we throw Todd under the bus because we just do. And <laughs> so Todd, so the background is I did a self-imposed apprenticeship for three years. I called myself an apprentice distiller. I refused to call myself a distiller. After three years, I called myself a distiller. So Todd was the apprentice's apprentice. He's my right-hand man. And Literally the blind leading the blind. Blind leading the blind, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a little segment called Throw Todd on the Bus, which is very much... It's supposed to be a learning section for me, but all it does is gives me shingles. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Misty. <laughs> That's my dog. Okay, so Todd, it's yours, mate. Roll. So what question did you want me to ask? <laughs> it's your session. Go for it. Well, one, one pressing question I've wanted to ask all night was um, in summer, we have a hell of a time trying to cool down our cooling water. So do you research your cooling water and how on earth do you get it cold enough to actually do anything in your still? Uh, yeah, I've got a um, 14 kilowatt chiller. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah, Taking yeah. notes up there, Mr. Redcap? It's yeah, got yeah a, I've got um, four. Yeah, it's a, it's, a gladiator, it, it's a gladiator chiller. Um, I bought it secondhand from a mine site in Queensland. Cost me 10 grand. It works a treat, though, and um, well worth it. And I can I can hook up um, 
a, uh, a jacketed fermenter and have the still running at the same time, everything will, will sit at 15 degrees if I want it to. Um, wow. And that's inside my shed as well. That's not outside that chiller. It's inside. It's on wheels. Awesome. And you're researching your water? Yeah, there's an 80-litre 80, 80 water tank in the bottom of it. If you Google Gladiator chiller, it should yeah. come up. Yeah, it's a ripper. So the 80-litre tank um, is built inside it. So it's, yeah, it just researches 80 litres. I've never had to fill it up. I've been using it for the last 12 months. It's great. Hmm. Right. Next question is, um, is, you know, I'm doing I'm doing the distillers certificate, and we're doing yep. the. Um, I can't take the test. Yeah. Please, please. No, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, I'm doing the set for success at the moment, and there was a question that came up last night, which unfortunately Monty Python got in my head, but it was um, to do with juniper. Okay, what does juniper grow on? Does it grow on a shrub, a weed, or a tree? Shrubbery. Shrubbery. <laughs> it's my yeah. juniper bush. Is what I'd, stuck I'd, I'd call it a bush. Yeah, I'd call it a bush. <laughs> <laughs> well, the answer is it grows on a tree, which stumped half the class, which was um, it's a yeah. interesting one for us. It's, so, it's, yeah. it's like a conifer. So it's, it's, it is a tree, but you see them when they pick it. I've seen photos of the Macedonians pick it, and they're picking it on the side of hills that are covered mm. in rocks, and they've got these little bushes on them, and <laughs> yeah, they call them trees. Bush but, a yeah. tree. <laughs> so, yeah. so there's a bit of just debate going backwards and forwards about this poor, poor question. Which, got real, really, small trees in <laughs> really small trees in Macedonia, mate. That's yeah, it. Yeah, they're not very tall themselves, are they? <laughs> no, lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Careful, Todd. I've met, yeah, I have never seen them on a ladder picking. <laughs> and there goes our entire Macedonian audience. Yeah, yeah, we lost them. <laughs> <it. We lost laughs> 5.2 seconds. Damn, there's a country they're not going to now. Throw yeah. Macedonia under the bus. <laughs> Good juniper, yeah. though. Good juniper. Okay, so you kind of find a picture yeah, of people. On I the side it, of a cliff. I think it depends on the juniper too, because there are a few different species out there. So yeah. some of them probably do go quite quite large, I would imagine. Mm. They just look like blueberries. Oh, they look. do. Hang on a sec. Here's some I prepared earlier. Well, maybe not. Yeah, well, you got to aim it at the camera. Yeah, that's oh, it. Yeah. Put it in front of the lens. Is that a stray garden pot that was in there as well, Craig? Yeah, it was, mate. It was a stray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's <laughs> let's talk about gin because um, uh, a bit of background. So I am very, very fortunate. My gin mentors, uh, Nick and Ellie, the legends from Karoo Distillery. Um, yep. And to me, gin and the learnings that I've done is, is so akin to cooking. It, yes. It's, it's, it's all about balance. And understanding yep. your your ingredients and that, and it's it's a totally different world than than, than rum or, or whiskey or, or anything Absolutely. else. So the question is, how do you develop your techniques to develop a gin? What what was your approach to it besides a lot of reading? Yeah, there was a lot of reading, but there was also um, and, and research around yep. recipe development. And this is going back a lot of years ago now when I was toying around um, as, a, as a hobby distiller. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, even as a hobby distiller, I was using an Alembic pot still back then. So I wanted to make sure that um, what I was making was true to the drink. So I did a lot of research around that. And you can find some things online. You certainly can't find too many recipes online that are any, worth anything. But um, you can get ideas on how you get that balance. And you're dead right, mate. It is just like being in a kitchen. So you've got to know what flavors are going to dominate if you put too much in and and things like star anise cloves yeah. those flavors are big and you need bugger all of that stuff to totally fuck your gin yeah. uh, and end up with ouzo so um yeah you've got to be careful um around how much of those ingredients you're using but doing your test batches is really important if you're doing one-shot distillations um those test batches are all important. If you're making compound gins, blended gins, where everything's being distilled separately, yeah. it doesn't matter so much because you can mix and match in small quantities. Mm. Um, okay, that tastes good. I got that right. And then you can do it on mass. Um, but when you're doing single shot distillations, you've got to get your recipe right first in, in a test still, in a small still, before suddenly you make 600 litres of the stuff because... You don't want you've got, there, there is a difference between your your small still and then scaling up. Yeah, to a large there is. It's not just one plus one equals more. It's like there's a there's an art to that scaling process as well. There is, there is, and some things scale one to one, no yep. problem at all. But some ingredients don't. Um, mm. And I mentioned star anise before, and star anise is one of those. Mm. You can get you, you can get to a point where you cannot add any more star anise, whether you're making six hundred liters or a thousand liters. You use the same amount of star anise because that flavor is <laughs> going to be the same in both of them. So yeah, there's some that you've sort of got to gradually increase, um, yeah. more like the Richter scale than a than a ruler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, yeah, that's that's definitely a challenge. Right, guys, well, unfortunately. Like, we're going to have to have to wrap it up. Um, so um, I think Todd, no, Luke, we need we need to talk about our sponsors, mate. We need to. Well, say, we've, we, we we've have actually got sponsors, Dave. Believe it or not, we're 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 professional, right? It's good. It's good. We're sponsors. One of our sponsors, Transwood uh, Cooperage. They, they their tagline is "Don't call us, we'll call you." Which we think is brilliant. <laughs> Which is actually what um, a number of our sponsors uh, are now saying. Uh, and actually, uh, some of them have already got a plug tonight. Um, Save a glass. Oh, there we go. There you go. There you go. They Save even deliver to the top end. There you they go. Do. That's, That's a tagline. Australia wide. Yeah. Very well done. Australia wide. Yep. Of course, we know Youngie. Um, he's a massive supporter of the show. He's always watching. He's probably about to comment. Oh, fuck, there's a mozzie. Those bastards. I knew he fucking got me. I doubt he's going to comment in that sense at all. <laughs> It'd be something a lot more succinct. Ah. <laughs> uh, Burnsy, of course, he was the other one that said, don't call us, we'll call you. He's just overloaded. I see you're um, in the NC. But... That's because yeah. he makes bloody good stills. He does. Yeah. He does indeed. 
does. Absolutely. Have you had any dealings with uh, with barrel brokers yet? No, I have not actually. I just saw that one. No, I haven't haven't dealt with them at all. Yeah, right. Well, we're going to be speaking with them in June. I think we're booked in. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, yeah. To talk all things, um, well, barrels, where he sources them from, how he gets them, like how does the process work? Uh, so I think that's actually going to be quite an interesting one because obviously, and it, I'm sure he does work very closely with young Ian Transwood as well uh, to make sure that those barrels is bringing in are uh, uh, handled nicely. And Robbie's, uh, got... Robbie's, Robbie's importing barrels and he's working with the locals as well. So mm. it's, um, it's, it's uh, yeah, barrel brokers. We use barrel brokers. Highly recommend them for, for their cars. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, our Wild Wogan water, which is the uh, the water in all of your whiskies and gins, isn't it, Crafty? And Australian vodka. And your vodka. Absolutely. And wa water is key in vodka and, and gin and whiskey, yeah. for that matter. Yeah. It sure is. It's 60% of your product. Yeah, it makes a hell of a difference. No question Massive about it. Massive difference. Yeah, it's a great, and, great natural spring, that one. Yeah. Now, sorry, just to cut away from the sponsors for a moment, what's your water like in Darwin? It's pretty good, actually. Um, we get all of our water from Darwin River Dam. So it's all monsoon rain that refills mm -hmm. that annually. Um, it's then piped out to everybody. Mm -hmm. And it comes to me and I filter the crap out of it. So... Right. Um, before I use it for distilling or cutting back, um, I have a five micron sediment filter because it is a little bit got a bit of sediment in it. it if you fill the bath up, it would be a bit brown, mm. um, but it still tastes lovely. Then I've got a two stage carbon filter that takes out chlorine and fluoride primarily, mm -hmm. then a four stage big carbon filter that takes out everything else any heavy metals, any sort of agricultural. Um, stuff that might be in there get stripped mm. out then a one micron filter just in case any of the carbons come out of the carbon filter um, right. to pull that out and then a eco vortex right at the end which spins it really quick realigns all the positives and negatives in the uh in the water and gives it yeah. a nice soft feel re-energizes the water but it also softens it so which i think comes through in the gym right. especially when okay. using that so yeah i do I actually do a lot to, to the water before yeah. I use it. That is a lot more processing than I've heard of anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, well, there's people yeah. out there that use RO water or yeah. Um, I find that that just kills the water completely and, and I, I wanted there to be a bit of life in there. So I worked with a local guy who um, actually does bottled water and mm -hmm. said, okay, so how do you do that? I want to build a – and he owns a, a water filtration company as well, selling filters. Right. So I worked with him and we came up with a filtration process and he works mm. with some guys who, who use filters in the wine industry as well. So together we just came up with, all right, this is see how this goes. Um, the water is lovely. I use it in my bar and make soda water out of it as well. So I use a traditional old, old uh, soda siphons with the yeah. um, little bomb. Yep, we yeah. use those and, uh, yeah, hook it in. Hmm. So it works well. Yeah. Oh, nice. Mate, you don't take a patent out on it, whatever you do, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Wham! 
right, and on that note, <laughs> uh, we 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 still got Alice Wise. We got CCL as well. Oh, CCL labels. Can't yes, forget absolutely. CCL labels. Yeah, absolutely. Big supporters in the industry. Yeah. So thank you very much to all of our sponsors. Oh, and we did actually mention we did say Transwood, and yes. They say, uh, yeah, don't call us, we'll call you. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Dave, for your time. I know you've you've got a busy night ahead of you. Um, thank you very much for the bottle that I'm thoroughly enjoying. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to be uh, spruiking that wherever I possibly can, absolutely. Uh, you've Thanks, got man. online... Uh, online purchasing now from the website willingdistillery.com.au which also of course has all the links to the socials so everyone should get in there um look i'm really excited to see what comes next what's your next release before we uh... actually um the next release is another gin it's uh darwin festival gin so every year there's a darwin festival here um Mm -hmm. archie rose had the contract to do their gin for the last three years and I attended hmm. yeah I attended for it this year and um, won the contract so I've got oh, it now should be and, a no, uh, brilliant that yeah, should have been a no-brainer really yeah, <laughs> that's that's local. yeah. So, <laughs> that had um I think they had a three-year contract with them so uh right wow. and that three years ended last year so yeah I was able to nail that contract and um I'm really looking forward to producing it so I've made the gin I'm waiting on them to finalise the labels and then we'll release that one. So it'll be a uh, very tropical flavoured gin. There's some um, native finger lime and some grapefruit we've used in that one mm. with some okay. traditional flavours. So a nice, light, refreshing gin, fantastic with a tonic, um, mm. which will be great for the pre- pre-drinks for the shows that they put on. They have about five mm. bars around town during the festival yeah, for right. a couple of weeks. They sell it. So that'll be good. Brilliant. I reckon it's time to return to Darwin. I haven't been there in about 10 years. Maybe I have. I've never been, and I have always wanted to. So It's, it's a party town. It is. It if you're on your way up, let me know, guys. Yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. Will. We will. And vice versa, Dave, <laughs> if you're down our way, mate, let, it, let us know, eh? Let us know. I will for yeah. sure, mate. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And uh, just... just just to uh, wrap wrap something up, and um, we're about to cross. We're doing a double header tonight. Uh, two wow. episodes of Shoot the Shit. We're about to cross to Indiana, USA, and uh, Spirits of the French Lick, um, Mr. Alan Bishop, who is one crazy American craft fucker. That's how yep. I would say Al is, right? Um, so... If you if you got time, tune in and, and uh, chime in on it, mate. Because um, yeah, we're gonna have a wild ride for the next hour with Alan. Mm. Thanks. I'm gonna find out about moonshine. I'd love to. You gotta do some work, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I've got to go and do some work. There's been a couple of staff have been poking their head in and going, "You finished yet? <laughs> you done yet? We need your help. We need your help." <laughs> so no, thank you. Well. You can you can catch up on uh, on the Facebook live stream or the YouTube as well. It'll be on the website, on iTunes, on Spotify, on Amazon Podcasts, and a couple of other places that I've filtered it out to. Um, thank you very much, Dave. Really appreciate you uh, taking the time on a busy, busy night. It's been my pleasure, to, guys. Uh, thank you. Meeting you in person awesome. and having a drink soon. Yeah, yeah for sure. Love to see you, NT.
<laughs> See you in the end too, for sure. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks, Thank you all. Stay tuned Cheers, for the next one. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks, everyone. Guys. Hope you enjoyed Thank yourselves. You. We did. <laughs> <laughs>